The Baltimore Ravens have a Ronnie Stanley problem. What should they do about it? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you so much for being here with us today and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day, wherever you're available on all podcasting platforms. That includes an audio form wherever you get your shows and in video form on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe. It's the same content, both audio and video form. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Ravens have officially exited Jaguars week. We are in the 49ers week here as it's a big Christmas night matchup. And I had to bring in a new guest to the show. Really excited to have him on. He's covered the Ravens for Sports Illustrated, Examiner, CBS Baltimore. Now he has his own Ravens podcast, Ravens Talk. It's Samuel Njoku. Samuel, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on and to talk Ravens with you. And this is an exciting time. The Ravens are in first place in the AFC. They're on their way, hopefully, to locking that up and potential Super Bowl aspirations here for a team that definitely deserves it right now. Oh, yeah. Big time win against the Jaguars. I, I'm not too surprised by the, the outcome, but uh, definitely good to see that the Ravens are head and shoulders above one of the better uh, AFC division leaders uh, in the NFL. And, you know, they were a team that were fighting for the one seed. They still had a shot at it. Baltimore essentially ended that. But they had a huge stretch here coming out of the bye. We knew that. It was the Rams, the the Jaguars, and then now we're here with the 49ers, Miami, and, and Pittsburgh to round it out. But in that Jacksonville game, a lot of conversation points about the offensive line. Not the interior. I think they're set there. But the Ravens do, and it's kind of, it's weird to say, it's not fun to say, but they do have a Ronnie Stanley problem. Now, Ronnie's a guy that's done so much for the organization, has played at such a high level for so many years, but clearly he is not there right now. He is injured. It's very clear on the tape. I think the knee is bothering him a lot. Who knows what the ankle is giving him problems with right now, if any. But he does not have the ability to anchor nearly as strong as he has in the past. And we saw it on, on Sunday night, right? I mean, Josh Allen just bulldozes through him. And, you know, you, you tried out the pressures. Ronnie Stanley, I believe, had, what, six or seven? And then the next closest guy, I think, was two. Mm-hmm. And it's such an outlier in that offensive line. And I think it's impacting how the Ravens want to run their offense so for you, I mean, what, what do you do here? Because Stanley, we know the money he's making. We know how good he's been. At this point, they've done the rotation with Passion McCarry coming in for him. Also, Daniel Falele with Morgan Moses. Do you think a rotation is a realistic thing they can do on a path through a Super Bowl? Or is it just what they have to do because there's no other option? It's just what they're going to have to do. I mean, you mentioned that he's been a liability. Uh, part of that, I think, is because he really, really – wanted to shut off the notion that he was an injured played player. And now that he's, you know, fighting through injury finally and, and trying to make himself available for every game, he's become a pretty much a liability for the team. Now he's better than most left tackles, I think, in the game when he's fully healthy. But right now, uh, if he wants to play, he's definitely going to have to be spelled out with, like you mentioned, Patrick McCarry on the left side. So 
for now, that's pretty much the only option other than pretty much just bench him until he's healthy. But uh, I think if the Ravens had that option, they would have done it already. I think it's pretty much a, maybe he'll, he'll need surgery afterwards, or maybe he just needs a longer extended period of time of rest, an option that they can afford right now. So I guess keep him out there for now, but you need to spell him out with uh, other line uh, offensive linemen to really uh, give them a chance to spend off these premier pass rushers. And they're going to go against a couple of heavy hitters over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that there's not a, a game anymore where they're going to face an easy pass rush, uh, easy outside linebackers. I mean, obviously, San Francisco, we know what that defensive line is. They may be getting back a couple of big guys too, Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave, not to mention they have Nick Bosa and mm-hmm. the newly acquired Chase Young out there. But then you have Miami, who did lose Jalen Phillips. He's uh, one of the young premier pass rushers. But then you have Pittsburgh, and we all know TJ Watt. We all know Alex Highsmith. And those guys are going to provide a challenge. And then in the playoffs, there are no days off, no easy days in the playoffs. So that's going to be tough too. And you talked about the benching. I mean, it's something that even if it was on the table, I just don't know if they would do it. I don't know if they would do that to Roddy. We know this organization, they love their guys. They stand by their guys. And look, there's this tough kind of push and pull thing for me where you want to stand by your players, but at the same time, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. And if Ronnie Stanley's not your best option to win a Super Bowl, if he is impacting the offense, if he is the reason the Ravens offense cannot score, something has to give there, which I think is what this rotation is kind of saying to me, which Mm -hmm. is, no, he can't be out there for, for a full game at this point, but we need more out of that position. So I don't think benching is an option. I understand that, you know, I've seen plenty of fans say it on social media. They need to do it. McCary has come in and I thought, I think he's played decently well, but Ronnie Stanley, I think, is going to have a role. I just don't know how big it can be at this point. Yeah, and if Makari is head and shoulders better than Ronnie Stanley, even at this point, then maybe a benching might be in order. But right now, I think that the difference between the two is close enough where uh, swapping makes sense. Now, of course, if Makari uh, strings together a couple of games where he's spinning off Nick Bosa and Chase Young by himself without needing for help of uh, – fullbacks, tight ends, what have you, then, yeah, you make that switch. But right now I think Stanley has shown you enough in the past where you can trust him to use this opportunity to get healthy and try and make a string of good games as the playoffs come near. But, yeah, right now it, it'll be tough to bench the guy right now. But maybe in the future, as the you know, once the offseason comes about and hopefully the Ravens win the Super Bowl, there's another conversation. But right now I think it's best to just spell him with Makari. Yeah, I think is what's going to have to happen. Very very unconventional, I'd say. I think we've seen them do it, though. This is not the first time. I remember the, the DJ Fluker tandem. I think they had him going with Ben Powers and rotating in and out a couple of – they, they had him rotating at right tackle, too. They did DJ Fluker. So the Ravens, this is not new for them, but I think it might be new – If they do win the Super Bowl, I don't know if I've ever seen a team rotate tackles like that and win a Super Bowl because it's not it's not just Ronnie Stanley. It's Morgan Moses, too, where Daniel Filele is now getting some run as the right tackle. And it's been Stanley and Moses on the field one drive then Stanley and Filele, then Moses and McCary, then McCary and Filele. It's been all Mm -hmm. these different mixes and matches, all the combinations you can say here. Moses, I think, is also playing injured. He's been durable over the course of his career but he has dealt with a couple of nagging things here and there. I think Moses has been solid for the most part, has had some really good games and some not-so-good games. But rotating both tackles, it's new to me in terms of a team really competing here for the one seed. 
do you think it's sustainable for what they're doing to have it happen? You know, they started doing it a couple weeks ago, coming out of the bye here. Do you think it's sustainable on a path to a Super Bowl for the Ravens to continue it? I hope so, for their sake. Uh, my big thing is you're going up against a team in San Francisco coming up where the front four is really coming at you, and they're going to set some stunts and stuff where if you're not an offensive cohesive unit uh, with the five guys that are starting and are used to each other, then that could cause some issues in protection schemes and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's working okay so far right now. I mean, there's been a couple of plays where – Stanley's been blown up and you worry about the uh, durability of Lamar. Uh, he's been injured inside the pocket each of those times where he's left uh, in the end of the season. So you want to kind of hopefully find a guy who could be stable, stable enough to sit there for a full game without having to swap him out. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's give and take. I think the Ravens can do, it. I mean, so far they've shown that they can beat any team with this system. But again, like you mentioned, the games are going to get tighter one mistake could cost you a championship. So it's unfortunate, but it's a situation you're in. And I think that the, the tackles are probably very happy their quarterback is Lamar Jackson because he is one of the only players, if the only player, that can escape some of the things. I mean, we saw Trevor Lawrence a couple weeks ago had his left tackle bowled back into him and had him get stepped on the ankle. And we know the rest is, is history with that. So for Lamar, it seems like, and I think we saw it against Jacksonville, where the receivers were getting open, but when they were getting open, there was pressure in Lamar's face within two seconds. Then when they weren't getting open, Lamar had, it's like, it seems like a staple. He has like seven or eight seconds that they're just sitting back there waiting, waiting, and then nothing develops. And I think that, again, it's impacting a little bit how the Ravens want to run that offense because Lamar can make stuff happen. And I think he's a lot more poised and patient this year, which has been awesome. He's he's making decisive decisions and ones where I think he's thinking it out. I think the game's coming a lot slower to him. But with the tackle situation, you just want to have him sit back there and feel comfortable. You don't want to have him get antsy. And I think we've seen that where if protection isn't there, sometimes the quarterback will have, boom, I know I have this amount of time to throw the ball. And if I don't, I have to get out of there. I feel like for Baltimore, they need to have their offensive tackles step it up or else, you know, when you get to January, get to hopefully February, it might become a bit of an issue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you definitely touched on the point where, uh, I think will come into play later on in the season. And that's Todd Munkin wants to spread this offense out. I think you've seen it the last two or three games. Uh, he's really started the game off with three receivers, four receivers out uh, wide. And these pass rushes are really forcing them to pretty much use match protection schemes and have a running back or tight end stay back to help those tackles. So moving forward, I think the Ravens plan is going to have to be to start with the run game and really have these chunky guys out in front to really give Lamar Jackson time to either use the RPO or, 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 or read option to really keep the defense on their heels and then maybe spread the ball out and give the offensive tackles a little more time to, to pretty much block and protect their quarterback. Yeah. And I think protection is key. I think it all starts up front, both offensively and defensively for a team and especially, you know, offensive lineman. I think the Ravens run blocking has been pretty solid for most of the season. It's been the pass protection, which has been a little more up and down. So I definitely, I think improvement hopefully is on the horizon there for the Ravens coming up in the second part of the show, though, we'll be talking about the Ravens latest roster moves, mostly surrounding the Keaton Mitchell injury and a lot more. So be sure to stay tuned for that plan to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. 
First, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun. So many have had up to 25 times their money this football season. All I have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less in the projected stats, and place your entry. And basketball season is here. It's in full swing. And you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, if you're a big LeBron James fan, you can pick LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo with three pointers made plus receptions. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like Rafa Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can do that now in the Community Plays tab under the Promos tab of the app to view entries of some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community. Each week, Prize Picks even offers a really cool reboot policy so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use code LockedOnNFL for a reverse deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use code NFL for a reverse deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back, our second seven locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Samuel and Joku. And Samuel, I think for the Ravens right now, there was a lot of good that came out of that Jacksonville game, but it felt like a big dark cloud was cast over it with the Keaton Mitchell injury, one of the big bright spots. And I think everybody was so excited. Oh, they're on their way to winning and clinching the playoff berth. And then you see, well, I, I wish I didn't see it. There was that gruesome of an injury replay. But Mitchell goes down. It's an ACL tear. Luckily, no cartilage, John Harbaugh said, so it will make it a little bit of a cleaner recovery, although still a long road for Keaton Mitchell. He turned into one of the Ravens' most dynamic weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and they're going to be without that now. They're going to have to rely on Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. They called up Melvin Gordon as well. Before we get into the roster moves surrounding the injury, can you talk about the loss a little bit? Because I think that you have the speed and the shiftiness of a Lamar, of a Zay Flowers, but Keaton Mitchell, I mean, it's just another gear with him. Yeah, and kudos to Keaton Mitchell for really coming in uh, as an undrafted rookie. Definitely not easy to do and pushing himself into the starting role uh, for this Super Bowl aspiring team. Uh, yeah, and that that injury was just such a downer. I think even as soon as it happened, regardless of the outcome of the game, it just was a sour taste in the mouth of both the players, coaches, and fans with his uh, loss. It's 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 going to be tough. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Gus Edwards and uh, Keaton Mitchell pretty much had a – uh, lightning thunder type of combo going on where Gus Edwards would be up the middle between the tackles and uh, Mitchell will be making his plays off tackle. So his loss will be felt. Now, Justice Hill is a guy that can come in and supplement. Maybe not have the such a spark that he did, but he definitely has some things going in his favor. One, he's a better pass protector than uh, Keaton Mitchell at this stage. So that helps the Ravens out a little bit, have him on the field more. Um, but, you know, it, issues with fumbling that, Came out early in the season, will probably rear his head again if the Ravens aren't careful with how they call their plays. Uh, so just having a guy like that who's dangerous on the outside, both as a runner and as, and as a passer, and having Lamar Jackson there is just—it's a, it's a huge loss. It can't be quantified it really into words. Yeah, it's it's one that I think hurts and a lot. It almost felt like the Andrews injury in the Cincinnati game where you could tell it wasn't good. And regardless of the outcome, I think all anybody was thinking about was, okay, well, is Mark, what's up with Mark Andrews? Is Mark Andrews going to be all right? It was the same thing with Keaton Mitchell there. Now, you mentioned fumbles, and I think I'd be remiss if I did not mention Melvin Gordon in the same sentence as, as fumbles. Now, Fair. he came in and his snaps when he has played for Baltimore this season were actually better than I thought they would be. I think he actually contributed some positive things there. But 
coming in since his rookie season, he has the most fumbles out of any running back in that time span. You're hoping that does not carry over. He was the one that the Ravens decided to promote. Makes sense. I mean, at this point in the season, you're not really going to find a bunch. And Melvin Gordon's been there. He knows the system. He's been around the team the entire season. They also bring in Dick Funk, who is a local guy, a Damascus High School uh, graduate, also University of Maryland standout. Does have the two ACL tears, but came in the league undrafted, won the Super Bowl with the Rams back in 2021. You know, I think Gus Edwards has... I use the term slow down. He's, he's slowed down a little bit as the season has gone on. I think Justice Hill does have that spark, but it's not just going to be on those two guys. I think Melvin Gordon's going to have to prove that he can be a, a capable pass catching back, which he has been over the course of his career. And then Jake Funk, I guess, if he gets called up, he's a special teams guy too. We know the Ravens love their special teams contributors. How do you, how do you feel now about the Ravens running back depth? Because before Mitchell kind of came in and took over it and kind of made everybody forget a lot of people were talking about how they needed something else. And now that something else is gone because it was Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, I'm concerned, but not overly concerned. I am concerned because I believe the Ravens are going to start to lean more on the ring game as the season draws to close and enter into the postseason. So you're going to need as many capable backs as possible. I'm not as concerned because I believe the Ravens are going to give Hill more touches that pretty much cancel out uh, Mitchell's uh, absence and they're going to pretty much ramp up Gus Edwards' uh, production as well. So I think they're going to pretty much leave Gordon to maybe three or four touches a game, maybe, hopefully. But all it takes is one fumble, right? And they're playing the 49ers, the Dolphins, Steelers, uh, which may be a big game uh, if they aren't able to pick up the win in both of these contests coming up. So every, turnovers are, are huge in this game, especially if you're using the run game to set, set yourself up for the pass. That means less possessions. Uh, per drive, I should say, meaning that the Ravens are going to get a lot of opportunities to get on the field if they're on the running the clock out type of deal. So pretty much turnovers are going to be a problem. Melvin Gordon has to keep the football in his possession. He cannot drop the ball. And I think, in my opinion, I know Harbaugh pretty well by now. If he were to fumble again one or two times, they're going to get rid of Gordon to bring in someone else. So uh, I say fans should be cautiously optimistic, uh, but definitely Gordon is on thin ice if this fumbling is to wear his head in 2023. Yeah, I, th I think we all know about that John Harbaugh doghouse and uh, how real it is. <laughs> it, it is 100% a thing. And we have seen over the years players go in there and never come back out. So I think Melvin Gordon, you know, again, at this point in the season, you can't afford those mistakes because you're right. Turnovers have such a big impact on the game. And I mean, we want to talk about an old friend, Kenyon Drake had a mm -hmm. turnover in that Colts game. Literally, I think shifted the momentum. And now he's turned into one of the most vilified football <laughs> players in the city of Baltimore oh, after, yeah. after everything that's gone on with him. But I think with this offense, Samuel, it, it has shown encouraging signs. It's been efficient, but the inconsistencies up to this point, I expected them to kind of work through it faster than they have, where I think Todd Munkin's orchestrated some really good things, but then you kind of sit there on a couple of plays per game and you're like, well, why did they do that? Or this does not match the game flow. What's been your take on what Munkin's offense has been this season and what do you want to see as the season goes on? Well, I think what you see is what you're going to get with this offense, unfortunately, for this year unfortunate well fortunately i should say is i believe that next year uh they'll we can sample more of munkin's philosophy i believe early on they're using a lot of greg roman's philosophy and sprinkling in a little bit of munkin and munkin is pretty much calling the plays the way he would which is 
paying dividends. I mean, Lamar Jackson's an MVP candidate. Uh, but I think next year you'll start to see more passes and more exotic plays designed to get their receivers open. Unfortunately, there's not enough time in the offseason uh, to implement stuff that Munkin wants. Uh, as far as the play calling is concerned, I have been very frustrated with the way the Ravens have uh, run the offense at least the couple, past couple of weeks. I think they need to start taking what the defense gives them. I think they did that more in the second half uh, of the Jaguars game. I think in the first half you saw, excuse me, uh, you saw that the uh, Jaguars uh, were begging the Ravens to run the football and the Ravens weren't biting. And then in the second half they said, you know what, let's just run it down your throat and you try and stop us and success followed. So I think that the Ravens are going to have to learn, especially as the season draws to a close, to take what the defense gives you. You have the weapons on the outside to be a good offensive strike on the air, and then you have the running game headed by Lamar Jackson to be very, very dangerous as a Russian team. So if the Ravens start to take what the defense gives them, I think they'll be they'll be just fine. Yeah, one of the things I think I expected earlier, at least before the season started, I think Lamar's run more than I thought he would this year, which again, some of it has to do with just plays breaking down, him making things happen, something out of nothing. But I do think we've seen more designed runs than I did expect. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying I, I kind of thought that they were going to throw the ball a bit more than they have. But this has been a rushing team. And I, I agree with your point because this offense was never going to be 100% implemented and successful from day one. It was always going to take not only multiple months, but probably a year or two to fully get it to where it needs to be. And they're just kind of working through, hey, we know we can do this. We tried this and it didn't work. It's all different types. And one of the things that fortunately the Ravens have had this year is a healthy Lamar Jackson. He's been on the field. And I think, I mean, I've been so impressed by him overall this season because of the poise he's played with, the decisiveness, the decision-making has gotten a lot better. I know the deep ball accuracy hasn't been there to where I think people would like. But overall, I think it's been a really impressive season for him. And we haven't had to see a backup. And speaking of backups and, and roster moves, the Ravens brought in Malik Cunningham from the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. I think this is more of a future move than anything else. But I think as we as we kind of heard, Cunningham was sold on the opportunity to play quarterback. And I think this is a quarterback move for them. But it raises the question of, well, Tyler Huntley is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. I think he has earned an opportunity to at least compete for a starting job somewhere. And obviously, as long as Lamar Jackson is in Baltimore, that will not be in Baltimore. So what did the move for Cunningham say to you? Because it's kind of unconventional to have something like that happen so late in the year. Yeah, and the Ravens will say, you know, anytime we have an opportunity to bring in a good player, you got to take it. You know, that's their MO. But you hit the nail on the head. This is a, a sign that Huntley's days in Baltimore are numbered, and that's not a knock on him, he's definitely one of the better backup quarterbacks in the game. But the cap space for Baltimore is something that people are not really talking about right now. And it is going to be very difficult to keep these players. If you can get in a quality uh, quarterback who has experience uh, with both Lamar Jackson and his style of play, uh, then you bring him in. And I think Cunningham saw that opportunity and took it. Um, I don't expect Huntley back. In fact, I'm very surprised, if I'm being quite honest, that Huntley was the backup this year. I think that uh, the way Todd Munkins runs his offense, I thought that Josh Johnson had a chance to really come in and take that spot. So all of those things piling together, stuff I saw on the offseason uh, into preseason, and, and obviously the move for Cunningham shows me that there's a good chance Huntley will likely uh, be looking elsewhere in 2024. Man, you know, it, for Cunningham, it gives us an opportunity to come in, get familiar with the system, get familiar with the guys, and, and kind of have a head start almost as opposed to him coming in in the off season where he gets a couple months head start. And I, I think that will benefit him 
in the long run, definitely. But we have a game to talk about coming up in the final part of the show, and it's a big one. Honestly, might be the game of the year between the Ravens and the 49ers on Christmas night. Stay tuned. We have a lot to get into still on Locked on Ravens. First, this show is brought to you by Game Time, and I have had my fair share of frustrating ticket-buying experiences in my life. Sometimes I wasn't really sure if the seats were good. Sometimes I couldn't find last-minute tickets. Other times there were just no good deals at all. But you shouldn't even have to worry about that when you're buying tickets to your next big event because Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with care last-minute deals and all-in prices, plus views from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Obviously, a couple of really big events in the Baltimore area. Football-wise, the Ravens will travel to San Francisco to play the 49ers, but they round out the season with two big games at MT Make Stadium against the Dolphins and the Steelers. Plus, Game Time has last minute tickets, flash deals, and zone deals, plus views from all the seats in the venue. And Game Time's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see all the views from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on your tickets with zone deals. You pick the section, and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Take the guts work out of buying tickets with Game Time down the game. So, Matt, create an account. Use code LockdownNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply, create an account, redeem code, locked on NFL, spelled L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download game time, last minute, six lowest price guarantee. We are back rounding out Locked on Ravens with Samuel Njoku. I am Kevin Allstriker. And this game coming up, Samuel, I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited. I've been looking. I've had this one circled on the calendar. Now, the Ravens have been on the bad side of Christmas games. And I'm not going to say, we're not going to talk about that one. Hopefully, this one will be a better outcome. This is, in my opinion, the best team in the AFC versus the best team in the NFC. Multiple big storylines, which we'll get into. And it's a big test, a big barometer for, I think, where this Ravens team is. But at the same time, if I had to rank tiers of losses, I think that an NFC loss is the one that hurts you the least. Then you have the conference loss, and then you have the divisional loss in terms of which one hurts you from least to most. If they were to lose one game in their final three, I would want it to be San Francisco because if they beat Miami and they beat Pittsburgh, they get the one seed. This is 100% accurate, Kevin. I mean, I would love the Ravens to win this game, but if they don't, it is not the worst thing in the world. It definitely puts more pressure on them to beat the Dolphins next week, followed by the Steelers. However, if you had to pick a loss within these three ones, definitely the 49ers is the loss to be had for the Ravens. Now, I think that in some regards, the Ravens want to win this because if they do win this game and they beat the Dolphins, then week 18 is pretty much a bye week for certain players, i.e. Ronnie Stanley, a guy who we talked about uh, earlier in the show. So there is some good to come out of potentially buying for a win, but you're right. If the Ravens were to lose this game, it does not dictate how the seeding is going to go or how the season's going to go for the Ravens when it ends. Now, I know some listeners and watchers, when you said that week 18 bye, they said, no, 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 don't do Because we all, we all know what happened in 2019 mm-hmm. when they did decide to rest their players in that week 17 matchup. It was still 17 weeks back then right. against the Steelers. It was essentially three straight weeks of rest because they had the bye as the one seed. They came back. And I feel like, you know, I've talked to some people too – Feels like the Ravens thought they had won that game against Tennessee before they played it. They thought they were already in the age championship game. And Tennessee came in and they took the Ravens lunch. They took it to them and, and they were the ones that advanced. For you, if the Ravens do beat San Francisco and they do beat Miami and they, they lock up that number one seed before week 18, 
are you resting all the starters or are you getting, is do you treat it like a preseason game? Do you give Lamar and the starters one or two drives? Do you give them a half or do you just say, we're not risking anything or resting our guys because essentially the outcome of the game won't impact anything seating wise. That's a good question. And I can go either way with it. If I know Harbaugh and I think I know him pretty well after all these years, I think he rests the majority of his starters because of recency bias. Now I'm not talking about, uh, the loss, of course, to Tennessee because of that buy. I'm thinking more so of the J.K. Dobbins injury in preseason. I think he, that really affected him uh, in his decision-making when it comes to resting people in unnecessary games. So I think he rests the majority of his starters, especially the ones that needed the rest, people who are banged up in essential personnel, like a Lamar Jackson, like a Kyle Hamilton, and so on and so forth. So I think he does rest them. I think, in my opinion, the 2019 loss had less to do with the rest and more to do with the style of offense they were playing. Now you're playing a team who also runs the ball very well in Tennessee, and you don't have a lot of possessions to make errors. These guys are keeping the ball out of the other opposing offenses hands. So you have less time for error and the Ravens, they weren't up to snuff that year. I think this year, if they have that bye week, maybe they might be a little stale, but also they have the attack to beat you on the ground or in the air. So if you're not having success in the ground game, there's a good chance you're going to have success in the uh, passing game and vice versa. So the the buy doesn't hurt me too much if, if I'm a fan, but definitely see where the uh, caution is with Ravens fans not wanting that. But best to have a buy to no buy. Trust me, trust me, guys. Especially with the banged up uh, offensive lineman, i.e., Ronnie Stanley. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's it's so true. And I think that again, nobody's healthy at this point in the year. Absolutely nobody. Everybody has dings and. and nicks and bruises here and there so i do think the rest benefits but i, I think you have to replace it with practice you know you, you, oh, yeah, practice, sure. you practice hard you prepare hard and you get ready for that game and i think another part of that tennessee loss which i think was a big thing was mark ingram got injured i think a couple weeks before that game mark andrews mm-hmm. also got injured and on i think what was it the first drive of the game Lamar tries to throw the ball to Andrews and Andrews can't jump for it. And it's an interception exactly. and kind of kills mm-hmm. all the momentum. And obviously Ingram was active for the game, but I mean, didn't really play <laughs> the game at all. So they were missing two big playmakers and hopefully, you know, knock on wood, the Ravens will not have any more injuries and they'll be able to go in as healthy as possible for that. But in this game, I think a lot of people are worried about the San Francisco defense. As we talked about that pass rush, plus there's Fred Werner and then they have all types of talents Plus that San Francisco offense, they do a lot of screens, a lot of dings and dunks here, gets Debo Samuel into space, Christian McCaffrey can be a weapon, and Brock Purdy's playing really, really well. But I think there's this there's this thing, whether it's Ravens fans, 49ers fans, NFL fans, that oh, the 49ers are just gonna wax Baltimore. The, the, the Ravens have no chance. And I don't I don't feel it that way. I feel like again, best in the NFC versus best in the AFC, potential Super Bowl preview, potential MVP decider. That there, there's so much that goes into this game. The Ravens have earned the right to be in the conversation with the 49ers. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think it will. Oh, yeah. It's going to be way, way, way closer, especially if you think that the Ravens are going to just fall flat on their face against this 49ers team. No, I think, especially Ravens fans, we have this notion that we see the Ravens play every week. So there's this expectation, okay, well, he just mushed past the – defensive lineman broke free and tossed a 40-yard play. Oh, just another day in the office of Lamar Jackson. These are huge plays that in other games decide the outcome. So I think 
49ers are a great team. I mean, let's just call them. They're the best team in the league, in my opinion. But the Ravens have so many mismatch potential scenarios in their favor, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that I there's no way this game is under seven points. If it goes like bonkers, 14, 21 points, it's because the Ravens found the formula and blew out the 49ers. I don't see, based on schematics, I don't see a way in which the 49ers really come in and just bounce the Ravens on Christmas night. And I, I honestly need the Ravens to win this game because I need Lamar Jackson to go 20 and one against the NFC. So I can continue to say that the only loss Lamar Jackson has taken the NFC, you know, you know who it is? You know who it is. There's no way. Is it the Falcons? I think it's the Falcons. Is it? Oh, it's the jo- Daniel Jones. It's my favorite oh, stat. God. <laughs> it is my favorite. It's so funny to me because out of all the quarterbacks, it is Daniel Jones. Oh, so I, I need the Ravens to win this game. But look, San Francisco is, is one heck of a team. You said it there. They're, I mean, look, Baltimore has the best pass defense in the NFL, but San Francisco, they are not far. I think actually, no, San Francisco passed them. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. San Francisco, Recently. by my numbers, San Francisco is number one. And Baltimore, I think they're both tied, actually. Yep, yep, they're tied. But then you also have a team in Baltimore where in terms of yards per attempt, we know the rushing defense has been a little iffy. They're 21st in terms of net yards per attempt, but the 49ers are 19th. So I think this could be a game that both teams try to exploit the other's run defense, and that could be a decider. So how do you see the game going? What's kind of your gut feeling right now? Well, to push uh, back on what you said about the Ravens' run defense, I think it's by design, I've been doing research trying to find out exactly why the rush defense has been a little poor, especially with Roquan Smith and uh, Patrick Queen there. And, and they they are purposefully having offensive rush the ball and try and pretty much do what they can with the uh, the linebackers they have. But if they dial in and attempt to stop the run by uh, schematics and design, they they have the, the defense to actually do that. So my prediction, I think that the Ravens are going to win this game. I just love the matchup between uh, Lamar Jackson and that offense, that defensive front. I think when the Ravens play top tier defensive fronts like the Browns and the Steelers, they really do a lot of counters and screens and end around. So I expect Zay Flowers to be a big part of this game. The 49ers can win. They can do it, of course. But I just, I, in my gut and based on what I've seen on film, I think the Ravens win this game. I say 27 21. Uh, in the Ravens' favor. Uh, I think that the defense of the Ravens is really, really stout, and I think that they're going to show out in this game. Uh, Brock Purdy has to make decisions with the football quicker than he has been. He really hasn't needed to do so because uh, he has playmakers in Debo and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and on and on and on. Uh, but the Ravens have the talent on the uh, defensive side of the ball to pretty much negate that and force him to make tough decisions. So I think that'll be a difference. I think Lamar will beat Brock Purdy. And then the MVP conversation uh, leans towards Lamar Jackson. Yeah, this is such, I think this is the game. I mean, this is what it comes down to for the deciding factor. Their head-to-head matters 100%. I'm glad you said Zay Flowers too, because Judge Rebeck at The Athletic did say there was some rumors circulating about Zay Flowers in a walking boot earlier. And Jez Rebeck said that Flowers left the game with foot soreness, but he's not expected to miss any time. So a little vague there, but we will see what happens with Flowers. But I do think that the Ravens have a very good shot to win this game. I'm excited for it. And I will say my my stats messed up. The Ravens are still the best pass defense in the NFL. San Francisco is number six. Just want to clarify that. So there's no confusion. I know. Look, Brandon Stevens, I, I give a lot of credit to what Brandon Stevens has done. So 
going to be a really exciting game. Samuel, I appreciate your time, though. Thanks so much for hopping on. Please tell people where they can find you and obviously what you're working on here. Well, I'm on Twitter slash X, if you want to call it, at Ravens Talk Pod. You can also find me on Instagram at Ravens Talk Podcast and on YouTube at Ravens Talk Podcast, where we have a Raven show every week with other journalists and former players. And he does great work over there. Be sure to check it out. Link will be in the description below. So check him out. Subscribe to his channel. I highly recommend. He has a sick setup, by the way. I'm trying to trying to be like Samuel with his setup. We're, we're working it. on it. We're working on it. I appreciate you again, Samuel. Thank you. And thank you for everybody tuning in, watching, and listening today on Locked on Ravens. Again, be sure to subscribe, follow along, audio form, video form, the whole nine yards. We'll be right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens, talking more Ravens football. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.